And how many of you have ever watched Fixer Upper? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Fixer Upper? Chip and Joanna Gaines? Great show. My wife and I love to watch it. One of the few clean things on. <laughs> and, and one of the things we like about it is that it's, it's about total transformation, total restoration, taking the old, renewing it, restoring it, and making it into something brand new. Uh, and in a real sense, that's what we're going to talk about this morning, how God does that in our life. He takes us where we're at. And he restores us. And I was thinking about, I wonder how many people walk into this building and their life is messed up and yet God restores them. And I, I did get permission to read this letter. Got this the other day. I just wanted to thank you for welcoming me, welcoming me into Living Word Church like a family. When I first came here, I was discouraged, depressed, and filled with, filled with guilt and shame. I had no direction in my life. And God has used both of you and this church family to turn my life around completely. Words cannot express how overjoyed I am that you are in my life. Your teachings and words of wisdom have brought me from the state of brokenness to a state of completeness in Christ Jesus. I thank God for you all every day. And we'll always cherish the wonderful memories that were made here. Because of you and Miss Vicky, I'm finally living out my call to ministry that was planned for me since I was a little child. I pray that God will continue to bless you both and the church with many blessings. You do so much with everyone, for everyone you encounter more than you will ever know. With all of my heart, I thank you. Love, Arnell. You might know Arnell. She's now at the uh, seminary, fulfilling the calling upon her life. And when she arrived here, I had no idea she was in that shape. But then I thought, how many people have come to that point in their life where they're discouraged, broken? You know, life has a way of just breaking you down little by little, one hurt after the other, one disappointment after the other, uh, one situation after the other. And yet, God loves to restore us. He loves to take us at that point where we are ready to give up. Do, do you understand, does that relate to you when you say you want to give up? Just... You just want to throw in the towel. Just say, Lord, you know, you want, almost want to hide in the, the closet because you've gone through so many things. And yet, I want to say to you that God wants to restore you. He cares about you. He loves you. He has not abandoned you. He has not forsaken you. I don't care what you're going through right now. You're going to get through it. And the Lord will help you. Now, obviously, people come here depressed, discouraged, down. And they don't stay. They may start, but they don't stay. 
And it's not so much staying in church as it is staying with him and his relationship with him and walking in his ways. And we're going through the 23rd Psalm. Last week we talked about verse 1 and 2. And today we're going to talk about verse 3. The Lord restores our soul, what that means. So let's read the whole passage together. And if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you to read this out loud. We're going to read it together. All right, we'll start with verse 1. We've got the whole thing up here. Let's read it together. Can we do that? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're going to look at verse 3 last week. We talked, of course, Brother Ben began the series talking about how he's our good shepherd, what that means. And then after that, we talked about last week that once he's our shepherd, then he does something. He causes us to realize that he is our provision. I shall not want. And then once you realize he is your provision, then he leads you to a place of green pastures. You can stay there. You can lie down. You can feed in green pastures. And not just that, but you beside still waters. We talked about what that means. Now we want to look at he restores my soul. What does that mean? He restores my soul. What does it mean when God restores you? And, and even more importantly, how does God do that restoration process? If you understand how God restores, you can allow him to restore. And then we begin to see the reason he wants to restore you as we look at the last part of that passage, for his namesake. He does this more than just for you. He does it for his namesake, for his honor. He wants to restore you. So he puts you in a place of safety and security He feeds you from the Word of God. He gives you still waters where you can see the reflection of yourself and God in the Word. And then once He does that, He wants to restore you to health. Because like I said, everybody gets beat up in life. Everybody gets through all kinds of situations. And He wants to restore us to good health. So how does He do it? Number one, He takes away the old. God takes away the old. And if you relate this to fixer-upper, what are the first things they do? Demolition day. I love it. You know, uh, Chip, he grabs the sledgehammer and he says, oh, I love this day. You know, uh, Joanna, she's she's the decorator. She likes the decoration and the design. And But Chip, he says, give me that 
big sledgehammer and crowbar and tear out walls and just go crazy with that. And, and that's the fun part, but it's, spiritually, that's not the fun part. Because in order for God to do a re- work of restoration in your life, you have to agree to let God take out some old things. That hurts. But you have to understand that the old and the new cannot coexist. You can't put up new walls until the old ones come out. You can't remodel and make it a brand new house until you take out that which is old and rotten and unnecessary and in the way. And in a spiritual sense, God has to take out the old things in order for him to be able to work and do new things. A couple of passages. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. The old life is what? It's gone. You have to get rid of the old life. And then something else happens. A new life has begun. And I, I love the passage. We're going to look at the passage in Ephesians uh, chapter 4. We're going to look at three passages in chapter 4. And each of these describe getting rid of the old. So if you're wondering, what are some of the old things he gets rid of? This is a good description of it. Let's look at this passage. First of all, it starts from 21 to 24 in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. So that's going to be part of that renewing process. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So that's what God is going to do. He's going to get rid of the old Before he can do what? Before he can put on the new. Now let's look at the next passage in verse 25. So, one good thing to get rid of. Stop telling lies. That's a good thing. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we're all part of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. How many of you have ever gotten angry at your wife? Let me see your hand. Okay, any wives have ever gotten angry at your husband? Let me see your hand. Man, we got some liars in here. I'm telling you what. He just said stop lying. That's the truth. We get mad. We get angry. It's just a part of life. You have to make a decision. This is part of the decision to be restored. You've got to decide what you want more. You're going to have to decide, do you want to hang on to the old ways, the old life, or do you want God to restore you? You've got to make a decision between the two. Let's continue that. Let's pull back that passage, if you would. Back in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Come back to verse 25. There we go. 
So stop telling lies. Let's tell our neighbors the truth. We're all part of the same body and don't let sin. Uh, don't sin by letting anger control you. And don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. So in other words, deal with it uh, that day. Don't let it carry over because anger has a way of uh, continuing. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. And boy, that is so true. If you let anger reside in your heart and you don't, you don't deal with things, then what happens, the enemy gets a foothold in your life. And he can begin to sow seeds of doubt. And you begin believing lies. You know, I, they don't love me. Or they don't this. Or, you know, you can't let those lies. And by dealing with anger, you get rid of the foothold of the enemy. Next, the last passage, 28 and 29, says, if you're a thief, quit stealing. So instead of you quit lying, get rid of anger, but also stop stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work, then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Clean up your language. When you get saved, you ought to talk different. This is, this is all part of getting rid of the old. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. In other words, don't nag somebody to death trying to correct them and make them who you want them to be, but be an encouragement. If something is going to come out of your mouth, let it be a word of encouragement. Let God handle the other. And then the last two verses, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Now, He just kind of clears up a few of the things you need to get rid of, the old stuff. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. So just get rid of all that. Now, he sums it up and says, Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now, I want to tell you, that's a mouthful right there. Just that passage from 21 down to 32 is a good picture of the old that you need to get rid of. So let's say you're comfortable, and I use that word comfortable. What if you're comfortable with your anger? What if you're comfortable with your bitterness? What if you're comfortable with your anger? See, the problem is we tend not to want to give up things that we're comfortable with. But if you won't give it up, God cannot restore you. Everybody with me here? You understand? You're going to have to make a decision. Which do you like? Which do you want? You want the old things that you're comfortable with? Or do you want a new way of life? You want God to be able to restore you. You have to make a decision. Which do you want? The very first and, to me, the most important step in restoration is agreeing to let God take out the old. Get rid of the old. Now, I want you to just think just a moment with me. Is there anything in your life right now that is old that you need to get rid of? Can you think of anything? Attitudes, thoughts, tendency to say things, anger, 
everything that's old. And when I say that, what I'm saying is there are things that are not pleasing to the Lord. And they hinder God's work of restoration in you. They're walls that are in the way for God's restoration. And so you're going to have to make up a mind, make up your mind. Lord, I want to give you free access to my heart and my life to do in my life as you choose. So, Lord, everything that is old that is displeasing to you, Lord, I give you permission to clean it out. But what it means is that since usually you get comfortable with your old ways, it means that the process of getting rid of the old is what? It's going to be uncomfortable. If you're comfortable with your old ways, you're going to have to say, Lord, I give you permission to make me uncomfortable. But I believe that it's going to be better. Because that's the great news of restoration. You get better. And not just better, but better than it was at the beginning. That's the amazing thing about God's restoration. God wants to restore you and make you better than you ever were before. He wants to give you more peace and more joy, more excitement, more vision, more hope than you have ever had. Everything that God has for you is better than what the world has for you. But you have to allow him to take out the old. The second part, and that is God heals our wounds. So he takes out the old, and then he heals our wounds. Again, I have to say, if you're not willing to let God take out the old, it's really hard to get to the wounds. You've got to get the things that are out of the way, hindering, so God can get to those wounds and put his healing balm, put his healing touch upon those areas of your life. When God begins that work of restoration in your life and you let him take out the old, it's amazing how God just begins to bring healing every situation Every time you're disappointed, every time you're abused, every time you're taken advantage of, God puts his healing touch, his healing balm upon that. Powerful verse, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 17 through 19. This is so good. He says, I will give you back your health and heal your wounds, says the Lord. For you were called an outcast. Jerusalem for whom no one cares. Now, he does this so many times in the prophets where the analogy is that Jerusalem is a picture of the church and Israel is a picture of his people. So you can make this analogy. He talks about Jerusalem and Israel. You can say he's talking about us. Verse 18, this is what the Lord says. When I bring Israel, God's people, home again from captivity and restore their fortunes, The church, Jerusalem, will be rebuilt on its ruins and the palace reconstructed as before. There will be joy and songs of thanksgiving and I will multiply my people, not diminish them. I will honor them and not despise them. It is always the Lord's desire to restore his people and to heal 
the wounds that you go through. There's, it's, it's not easy to go through life without encountering a lot of wounds and hurts. It's just, it's almost impossible. And the Lord wants to heal your wounds. I, I would say in this room right here, there are some people that have unencountered wounds and you've never let God heal those wounds. You know what that will do? It will affect every relationship you have. Everyone who loves you and everyone that you try to love, they are affected by those wounds. A lot of people just say, well, I I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with that old wound. I don't want to deal with that situation. You just keep sticking it back in the back and I don't want to deal with it. But it keeps affecting who you are. It affects the way you treat people. It affects the way you love people. It affects the way you have a hard time loving and forgiving other people. It affects every aspect of your life. You have to allow God to heal those wounds. And one of the processes of that healing is that we've got to have right thinking. We've got to think about things that are right. Look, if you would, to Romans chapter 12. Look at just verse 2. I love this. This whole passage is great, but look at verse 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God do what? Transform you into a new person. There's that renewing, restoring. By changing the way you do what? By changing the way you think. The Bible tells us as a man thinks, so is he. What you think about, how you think about it, the way you think about it, that changes everything. And God does the work of restoration and healing our wounds by changing the way we think. He continues that and says, Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect, but you will never know the will of God for your life until you let God change the way you think. Until you get your thinking straightened up, you will never see and understand God's will for your life. It just won't happen. You have to have right thinking. And so many people, someone shared with me this morning how that uh, a friend of theirs, they were concerned about their friend and, and something had happened to the friend a couple of years back. And, and, and they were saying, you know, they're angry at God, mad at God for what happened two years ago. And you could tell by what happened. It wasn't God. God didn't do that. But if you attribute to God things that he didn't do and you allow yourself to be thinking that, angry at God for something that he didn't do, it will affect your thinking and it will affect God's ability to heal your wounds. So you you have to come to a point, not only getting rid of the old, that's an important part, but you come to the Lord and say, Lord, if I'm thinking about something wrong, Change my thinking. If I'm looking at this wrong, help me, Lord. Help me to see this right. Let me ask you if this has ever happened to you. It's happened to me. You're mad at someone. And every time you think about that person, 
you just get a knot in your stomach and you just you just want to slap them upside the head. Now, you're spiritual, so you don't do that. But you'd like to. You know, you just like to. And this has happened to me. And then a little bit of time goes on and a few more facts come out. And all of a sudden, your perspective changes. And the very thing that you were mad at them about didn't happen. And it wasn't the way somebody told you it was. And now you realize, I've been mad at this person all this time for no reason. How many of you have ever done that? Let me see your hands. Oh, your hands all over the place. You've stepped in it. We've made messes. We fell into that trap. Into that, it's a snare. It's a trap of the enemy. And I think the enemy sets snares and traps. And we're walking along and we just step right in it. And we, he pulls that snare. And he's got us. And we're angry at someone. For something they didn't do. They didn't intend. They didn't mean it the way you took it. And you spend all this time angry and bitter and resentful. And like my wife and I often tell one another, honey, it's wasted worry. Wasted worry. Don't go there. Because most of the time it didn't happen. Some of the times they didn't mean it that way. And even if they did mean it that way, it doesn't really matter. It just doesn't matter. So do not fall into the snare of the enemy. Let God change your thinking. One last passage talking about God healing your wounds. I love this. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 and 21 says, Now may the God of peace, who brought you up from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, brought it from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. Watch this. I love this verse 21. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him, all glory to him forever and ever. It's amazing to me, he is telling us that he equips us with everything we need to be restored. God equips you, and he's doing it on the inside. I call this his inside work. And if you related this to the computer, he is constantly giving you an update. <laughs> He's giving you new software up here. He's equipping you with everything you need to be healed and to be restored, to be encouraged, to walk with Him. But you have to allow God to change your thinking. And you have to allow Him to get into those wounds. And the problem is, if there's a wound there, and it's not healed. There's an infection. If you cover that up, the infection grows.
And sometimes they have to lance that, cut it open so they can get to that wound. So they can put the right stuff on there that can heal that infection. And in our spiritual life, that's what God has to do. It may mean it's an uncomfortable time where that thing is opened up again. But once and for all, let him heal your wounds. Let him heal those wounds. And then move on with your life. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be restored in the name of the Lord Jesus. The third thing that the Lord does, he restores all the enemy has stolen. Jesus told us in John 10, he's a thief. Satan is a thief. Now, I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. The number one thing Satan wants to steal from you is your destiny. Now, there are a lot of things he wants to steal. I I admit that. But number one on his list is your destiny. There is a plan and a purpose before we were ever created. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And that plan and that purpose is to honor him and love him. And to fulfill a destiny that he has planned for you. That would give honor and praise to him. And since that gives honor and praise to God. Satan wants to steal that. He wants to rob, kill and destroy your life. In order to steal that destiny. That God has for you. But we have a promise. The promise is. He restores everything the enemy wants to steal. He's a thief, but God is the restorer. He is the restorer. Everything the enemy wants to steal from your life, God wants to restore those things in your life. Once you have allowed God to take out the old, and I have to admit that's a process, and then you allow God to heal the wounds in your life, then you begin to believe God to restore everything that the enemy has stolen. You simply say, devil, you are not going to steal those things from my life. I'm going to fulfill the destiny that God has for my life. Now, you will never say that until first you have allowed God to take out the old and let God heal the wounds in your life. You won't, you won't do that. But once you've done those, then you begin to say, I'm going to fulfill God's destiny. I'm not going to miss what God has for me. I'm going to find out and fulfill why I'm here in this planet. Powerful verse. Joel chapter 2 verse 25. And again, God uses some analogies in the prophets. Joel 2 verse 25. The Lord says, I will give you back what you lost of the swarming locust, the hopping locust, the stripping locust, and the cutting locust. It was I who sent this great destroying army against you once again. You will have all the food you want. You will praise the Lord your God who does these miracles for you. Never again will my people be disgraced. Verse 27, then you will know that I am among you. I am among my people Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. Never again will my people be disgraced. The picture here, although he's talking about locust, 
it's a clear picture. Almost every time he uses locust, it's a picture of the enemy, how the enemy, and you notice the different kinds of locusts. You know, that's just the way the enemy does it. He strips away from your life. He eats away at your life. Not all at once, but little by little. He eats away at your life. One hurt at a time. One discouragement at a time. One disappointment at a time. Until you reach a point in your life where you just feel like you've been stripped. Everything that is life has gone. Just like in the natural, the locusts would come in and they would strip all the green thing. The enemy does that in our life. And yet the promise was simple. Everything that has been stolen from you, God is going to restore that. Everything the locusts have stolen, everything the enemy has stolen, I'm going to restore that. And you will know that I am your God and you are my people. And you will have all that you need. God wants to fulfill the destiny of your life. It was his plan in the beginning. Long before you were created, and sometimes I think about it and it blows my mind, that before I was ever created, before my mom and dad ever met, God had a plan for my life. Psalm 139 says, While I was in my mother's womb, I was fearfully and wonderfully made. All my days were planned. And a lot of people have a hard time with that. It's just simply saying God has an amazing plan for your life. Now, do we always follow that plan? No. (laughs) Sometimes we mess up the plan. Sometimes we go contrary to God's plan. Sometimes we go our own way. But even when we do our own thing, God is able to work even your messes into His plan for your life. And God is able to work all things for good if you will love Him and trust Him. And know that you're called according to his plan. God wants to restore hope. Today, if you're here and the enemy is stripped away like a locust. If he's stripped away hope in your life, I want to tell you, God wants to restore that hope. If you've lost vision, God wants to restore your vision. Had a person, it was a man once, tell me, he said, you know, he said, I, he told me all the different situations he'd been in, and he said, I, I've lost the desire to want to ever love anybody again. He felt like, you know, he'd been disappointed and hurt and taken advantage of, and, and that was his comment. He said, I don't even want to love anybody again. It's too risky. It hurts too much. And I said, I understand how you feel. But you were created to love. (laughs) It's who you're created to be. You may not want to. But God created you to love others and for them to love you. And yes, it is risky because you get hurt. But once you learn all you need is from Him, then you're free to Love others whether they love you or not. Set you free from needing their love.
because you only need his love. The last thing God does in the restoration process. First, he takes out the old. Then he heals all those old wounds. And then he begins to restore everything the enemy has stolen from you. All the destiny. God begins to restore those things. And then he wants to make you into a restorer. He restores us so we can be a restorer. Remember where we started? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Remember what verse 3 says. He said, he restores my soul. And then in the New Living, it says, he renews my strength. He guides me along right path, bringing honor to his name. The other translation, for his namesake. Why does God restore you? For his namesake. To bring honor to his name. Everything God wants to do, he wants to do it so that your life would bring honor to him. So your restoration is not just for you. Your restoration is so that you can be a restorer to others. So that you can help others. So that you can be a blessing to others. And you know, God used others to help you. Well, just as God used others to help you, God wants to use you to help others be restored. And you begin to find more of your destiny and your plan and your purpose for, for your life. Isaiah 58, verse 9 through 12 says this. Then you will call. The Lord will answer, yes, here I am. He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry. Help those who are in trouble. Then light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry, restoring your strength. You'll be like a well-watered garden, an ever-flowing spring. He's describing us. And I love verse 12. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. And then you will be known as what? As a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. God's purpose for restoring you is so that you would be a rebuilder of walls, a restorer of homes. What a great purpose we can have in our life. Not to heap things to us. Not to feel like everything is about us. But Lord, let me be a blessing. So I can restore others. Now I admit, when you're hurting and and you're wounded, you're not really thinking about anybody. You just want to get restored, and I, and I agree with that. But when you allow God to restore you, and that's what he wants to do. When you allow God to restore you, then he begins to use you to help others. I had a young man and his wife. Matter of fact, he was a... He was a patrol officer and highway patrol 
This is years ago. And he had an affair. And I never will forget the day they came into my office. They were both weeping, broken. And he just poured out his heart, said what he did. She was weeping and angry at the same time. And after he talked for a while, she finally said, Brother Nay, do you think there's any hope that God can restore our marriage? And she was just looking for a glimmer of hope. Is there any way we can make it through this? She said, right now, I don't think so. You know, from her perspective, she just said, I don't see it. And I think her anger and her disappointment was bigger than anything else at that time. And I just said very simply, I said, and it was a word of faith. (laughs) I said, not only can God restore your marriage, he can make your marriage better than it's ever been before. She said, really? I said, yeah. The reason I can say that is I've seen it happen time after time. He can make it better than it ever was before. Because whatever was the cause that allowed this to happen in the first place can be healed. And this marriage can be restored. And it took two, three, four years talking, counseling. But it was an amazing thing to see how God restored that marriage. And then... They began to have a ministry, if you can imagine, a ministry of reaching out to couples that this had happened in their life. And that became their ministry. And they began to be the ones to say, God can make your marriage better than it ever was before. They couldn't do that until it really was. But they could really say that. They moved, moved to another city in Texas, and the last time I talked to him, they're still doing the same thing, still ministering in the same way in another church. Marriage is still good. God can restore. Now, I'm not encouraging you to go through messes in your life. <laughs> I'm not giving permission or encouragement here for you to mess up so you can have a great ministry. That's not the plan. I just want you to know that you, when you mess up, God can restore you. He can. But you have to be willing to let him get rid of the old. You have to be willing to let him heal those wounds. You have to be willing to let God restore everything the enemy has stolen from you. And then you have to say, Lord, use me to be a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. One last passage. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. It says this. 1-4, excuse me. Got it backwards. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we 
can comfort others. When we are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Same area you've been restored in, God can use you to restore others. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're an amazing God. Amazing God who restores us, who heals us, who takes care of us. Lord Jesus, I love you. And I thank you, Lord, that you will work in us to restore us. That you're a God of restoration, a God who wants to restore us. And Lord, I know that it is not your plan that anyone stay wounded, but that every person would be restored. And Lord, I ask you this morning, I know there's some people here that are hurting Maybe they walked into this room wounded and discouraged. Lord Jesus, you are good. You are good, Lord, and you want to restore your people. We bless you today, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your great mercy, Lord. And Lord, I just want to thank you that you are working that which is well-pleasing in our sight. You're working for our benefit. You're a God who wants to restore us. Lord, you know every person in this room. You know what they've been through. You know the hurts they've been through, the disappointments they've been through. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that this morning they would be willing to let you restore them, to let you heal them. Only you can do it, Lord. Only you can do it. I'm wondering this morning if you would agree to let God restore you. You know there's some things that need to be dealt with, old things that need to be removed and you also know there's some wounds that need to be healed I wonder if this morning you would be willing to say yes Lord yes Lord I want you to do a work of restoration in me and I'm willing to agree to that Lord I'm willing to let you make me uncomfortable so that you can restore me I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. If you would. And if you would be willing to let God do a work of restoration. As the worship team sings, I'm going to ask you to come down to the front and say, just agree. Come down to the front and say, yes, I I want God to do a work of restoration in my heart. Would you come? We're going to pray together in just a moment.
If you would be willing to let God do a work of restoration in your life, would you just come to the front and say, yes, I I need to be restored. I've got some issues. I've got some hurts and wounds that I need healed and restored. Would you come this morning and say, yes, Lord, I'm willing. I'm ready to, to let you be restored. I'm willing to let you restore me. I'm willing to let you deal with my heart. Would you come this morning? You may have known the Lord for a long time. But this morning, instead of just passing over the wounds, this morning you would say, Lord, I I, I want these to be dealt with. I, I want to be healed. I want to be restored once and for all. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Worship team is going to sing. Why don't you come? If you're willing to come, I, I want to pray with you. God wants to restore you. Yes, Lord. You change us, Lord. You are good and you never change. You want to work in our hearts, Lord. Would you come? like some of you have resisted the spirit of the Lord bringing restoration in your life and this morning God wants you to come to that place where you say Lord I agree with you I let you do that Lord restore me like I need to do this and I know many of you here at the front you know the Lord you've walked with the Lord and I know I made the invitation for being restored but I just feel like I need to be sensitive to the Lord if there's anybody either out there you're still in your seat or you're down here at the front and you've never been born again then everything begins with that relationship. You have to start with that relationship of being born again. It all starts right there, and that kind of allows God to initiate that restoration process. So if you've never been born again, and you would like to surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus, I'm just going to ask you to make your way out of this crowd or, or out of there and come right down here and meet me. Anybody? I want to be sensitive to the Lord. We've had many people born again, weeks and months. Anybody? Anybody? Thank you, Lord. All right, we're going to pray. If you're down here at the front, you're here to say you want God to do a work of restoration, I'm going to ask you just in obedience to the Lord, just raise your hands before the Lord. And I'm going to ask you to pray out loud with me. Heavenly Father, In the name of Jesus, I give you permission, Lord, to make me uncomfortable. Take out the old things. Get rid of the stuff that hinders your restoration. I give you permission, Lord, to work in my heart 
Change my heart in the name of Jesus. Heal my wounds, Lord. Every hurt, every disappointment, I give them to you, Lord. Heal my heart. Change my thinking. Change my perspective. Thank you, Lord, for restoring me. I choose to forgive. I choose to let go. I surrender to you, Lord. Anything that hinders my restoration. Use me, Lord, to be a restorer of walls, a restorer of homes. I declare I will be a rebuilder. I will be a restorer. I will fulfill my destiny. And devil, you will not steal from me. You will not steal my destiny. I will fulfill my destiny. You will not steal it from me. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Finish your work of restoration. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a good clap offering. The Lord is good. Let's sing it to the Lord. Oh, yes, Lord, you are good.